This episode was made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. For more information, please visit patreon.com slash author Chris Lester. I strive to make this podcast a safe and inclusive place for my listeners. If I've missed any content warnings, please let me know. Content warnings for this episode include strong language, mature themes, and explicit sexual content, including female-female sex and acts of dominance and submission. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to The Raven and the Writing Desk, the weekly podcast about the writings of Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. This is episode 325. Hey there, folks. Welcome back to The Raven and the Writing Desk. I'm your host, Chris Lester. You can learn more about me and my work at chrislester.org and metamorecity.com. This is the show where I share my fiction with you, fresh off the writing desk, and tell you about my life and my writing. More on that later in the show. So let's kick things off with this week's story. Today I'm bringing you Chapter 8 of Honor Bound by L.C. Williams. If you're new to the show, go back to Episode 318 to hear this story from the beginning. The following recap will contain spoilers. In last week's episode, Honor became convinced that her mother's amulet was causing the erotic visions that had been plaguing her all evening. Had someone placed a curse on the necklace in order to get back at Lady Sylvia? or to shame House Bellevue? Honor didn't know, but she needed to get it off of her body until she had the chance to figure out what was wrong with it. She also needed to keep it safe. It was the one gift her absent mother had ever given her, and it was beautiful. She wasn't going to let that be taken away from her. Honor made her way across the ballroom and down the hall to the women's washroom, hiding the necklace in a fold of her skirts to keep it off her skin. Unfortunately, in the process, she drew the attention of Natasha Volkova, the guard who was watching that section of the building. The nervous and shifty-looking Honor, who was obviously hiding something in her skirts, certainly seemed to fit the profile of the party crashers Natasha had been warned to look out for. She silently moved to follow the girl. In the washroom, Honor convinced the attendant to wait for her outside and keep anyone else from coming in, on account of Honor having a shy bladder. With the attendant gone, Honor used the tools on the mending table to cut up her underskirt, turning the bit of cut fabric into a hidden pocket on the inside of her petticoat. Her drawers, the lowest layer of her undergarments, were soaked through after the constant arousal of her visions. Honor took them off and put them in the trash. Honor's makeshift pocket did the trick. It would hold the amulet in a way that was unnoticeable once she had her gown back on. Her mother's gift would be safe, and she would be safe from its unsettling influence. Just as she was about to get dressed again, though, the door to the washroom opened, and Natasha came in. She inspected Honor's petticoat and quickly found the amulet hidden inside it. Very pretty, Natasha said. Who did you take this from, little thief? Honor Bound The House of Bellevue Book One 
Written by L.C. Williams. Narrated by Vivian Ferrari. Chapter 8. Thief. Honor felt her eyes go wide in sudden understanding. A sick feeling twisted in her guts. The amulet twisted and swung on its chain, dancing before her like a finger wagging in accusation. I... I didn't take it from anyone, she whispered. It's mine. My mother gave it to me. The guard snorted. Of course, she said, the sarcasm evident even through her accent. You'll receive gifts from mother, so of course you cut up on clothes to hide it. Perfectly sensible. I had to, Honor insisted. I was wearing it, but, but I had to take it off. There's something wrong with it. I, I think it might be some kind of curse or, or spells, so I made a pocket so it, it, it wouldn't touch my skin. She trailed off as the amused expression on the guard's face turned first to skepticism and then to something like pity. Gods, I sound like a madwoman. But then the guard lifted the amulet before her face, her gray eyes going pensive. So this necklace, given to you by your mother, she said slowly, you put on and there is magic spell of some kind? Honor nodded. That's right, she said. What sort of spell? the guard asked. Honor hesitated. Um, she really didn't want to be talking about this, especially not with a stranger, but it was probably her only chance to avoid further trouble. Better to tell one palace guard than to lay out the whole story in front of the Duke and her father and gods knew who else. It gave me visions, she said at last. Awful visions of, of people doing the most unseemly things. Things a lady should not speak of. The guard frowned for a moment and Honor wondered if she understood. But then her eyes went wide, and her expression filled with something like delight. Your mother gave you a magic necklace that shows people fucking? Honor gasped and covered her mouth. She looked down at the floor, her cheeks burning. The guard let out a loud, booming laugh. Okay, little thief, she said, flashing her a wider smile than before. We will test your story, da? She let go of Honor's hand, took a half step back, and slipped the chain of the necklace around her own neck. The amulet hung over her breastbone, looking thoroughly non-magical. Honor stared at it accusingly, but nothing happened. After a moment, the guard grinned again. Oh, but you said it must touch skin. She loosened her cravat and tucked the pendant down inside her shirt. She stood there, waiting, her eyes fixed on honor. Still nothing happened. After a while, she spread her hands. I see no magic fucking people, she announced. Honor swallowed hard. It's, um, it took an hour or so before it started happening, 
Her voice sounded weak and unconvincing, even to her own ears. The guard chuckled. Of course, of course, but while we are waiting, we will just go someplace quiet for little chat. Her smile sharpened by a few degrees. And perhaps you can tell me why no one in the entire family has purse or pockets where they can keep magic amulet for you. Honor hung her head, quietly fuming. Yes, that would have been a sensible solution if this were any other piece of jewelry. If it hadn't been her mother's, and thus an automatic object of suspicion for Tyrrell and Graham and the rest of them, if she wouldn't have had to explain why she was taking it off. The guard seemed to take her silence as a confession. She eyed Honor carefully for several seconds, and something in her gaze appeared to soften, just a little. The ironic smile faded, settling into calm neutrality. She gestured to the petticoat. Put that on, she ordered. She did not say it loudly or angrily. To Honor's surprise, something about the voice set a rush of warmth running through her. There was strength in it, an iron will that must be obeyed, but it was not harsh or cruel, just unyielding. Though she could not have said why, Honor found her heartbeat quickening again. Meekly, with shaking hands, she wrapped the petticoat around her waist and tried to fasten it. Her fingers fumbled with the clasp. The guard watched her struggle for a while, then let out a short, frustrated breath. Pliet, she muttered, and her tone suggested the word was a curse. Turn around. Honor did so. Large, strong hands brushed over her smaller ones and took hold of the ends of the petticoat. The guard quickly fastened it shut around her, then went over to the couch and retrieved the dress. This is stolen too, I suppose, she mused. But I cannot have you walking around manor in underwear. Honor's cheeks burned. It's not, she whispered. But either the guard didn't hear her, or she thought the claim too ridiculous to merit a response. The dress came over her head, and Honor stood passively as she laced her up. When she was done, the guard's hands lingered against the small of her back. Honor could feel the warmth of her touch seeping through the fabric. Now, the guard said, still in that calm, even voice, we will go upstairs for a little talk. You will be quiet in hallway so we do not bother guests, duh? Honor bowed her head again and nodded. Good. Those long, strong hands gently guided her around and back toward the door. As they stepped out into the hallway, the washroom attendant looked worriedly over at Honor, then back up at the guard. All is well, the big woman assured her. Tell Irene I need her to help cover while I detain this girl. Y yes ma'am, the attendant said. Where will you be taking her? The guard seemed to consider it. Upstairs, I think, she said at last. She will be out of guests' way up there. The girl bowed her head. Yes, Miss Natasha, I'll, I'll let her know. The guard, Natasha apparently, gave her a curt nod, then began shepherding Honor down the hall. She kept Honor in front of her and a little to one side, one hand behind her back, 
Natasha's own hand wrapped snugly around her wrist. No one watching them pass would have seen anything amiss, just a guard escorting one of the Duke's guests. Honor's eyes darted to every new doorway they passed, part of her hoping that someone would see her and recognize her, and another part fearing the humiliation that would surely follow if they did. Just stay calm, she thought. This is all just a misunderstanding. You didn't do anything wrong. Keep your head and this will all work out. If she was calm and patient, she was sure she could find the right words to convince this guard of her mistake. If that failed, then sooner or later her father would notice her absence and ask someone where she was. Honor would be released, hopefully in a way that was quiet and discreet and would cause no more embarrassment to anyone. But it was one thing to tell herself to be calm and patient, and another thing to actually succeed in doing so. They came to an unmarked door near the back of the manor house. Honor could hear the sound of running water and the clinking of plates and silverware, so they must be near the kitchen. Natasha opened the door to reveal a narrow servant's staircase, spiraling upward. Honor went up the stairs without needing to be told. The corridor they stepped into was much narrower and plainer than the one they had left, with simple wooden floors and plaster walls painted a pale yellow. No one else seemed to be around, though she could still hear the muffled tones of the kitchen echoing up through the floor vents. The rooms in this wing of the house were small and numerous, and they had brass numbers tacked onto the doors. Natasha took Honor around several corners and through a number of branching passages. Almost none of them had any windows, and those that did had the curtains drawn. Honor was thoroughly disoriented, and she supposed that had been the guard's intention. If Honor had been a thief, she would have been hard-pressed to find her way out of here, even if by some miracle she got away. You are in this woman's power, said a little voice in the back of her mind. She can do whatever she likes with you. That thought sent a wave of fear through her, but another thought came fast behind it. You can stop this. And it was true. Even here in the quietest part of the manor, they were surely within earshot of dozens of other people. Honor could imagine herself shouting, I am Lady Honor of House Bellevue. Let me go. Even if this Natasha did not believe her, others would come running to investigate. The resulting uproar would be a dreadful humiliation for everyone involved, but Honor would be safe. And with that realization, the thought changed. She can do whatever she likes with you, for as long as you let her. The fear was still there but now something else came along with it. A tingling thrill of excitement. It ran over her skin, raising goosebumps as it went, and seemed to plunge straight into her still aching sex. Honor was astonished at herself. Gods, what is wrong with me? Her mind came back to every fantasy the amulet had conjured before her eyes. Powerful women holding her down, enveloping her, possessing her, using her body as they saw fit. With every remembered image, she felt herself growing hotter, wetter, more in need. She tried to tell herself that she was twisted in the head, that she should be ashamed to even have such thoughts. 
but that thought seemed to make her even more excited. Yes, she was wicked and wrong, and she deserved to be punished for having such awful thoughts in her head. Maybe this Natasha could be the one to punish her. She can do whatever she likes with you. Honor shivered. The guard finally stopped her in front of a door exactly like all the others, number 26 for whatever that was worth. She unlocked it with a key from her pocket and ushered Honor inside. The room had a narrow bed, a writing desk with a simple wooden chair, a nightstand, a single window, and a smallish steamer trunk pushed in one corner. Natasha locked the door again. It was the sort that needed the key from both sides, and slid the key back into her pocket. Honor stood, head down, and watched her out of the corner of her eye, waiting to see what the guard would do. With the door locked, Natasha turned to consider her strange little prisoner. The girl was being oddly passive for someone who had just been caught red-handed stealing from the nobility. She had obeyed Natasha's command to be quiet as they went upstairs, but now that they were behind closed doors, Natasha had expected her to launch into fresh protests of her innocence, or, barring that, to try to negotiate. Instead, she stood there with her head down, fidgeting slightly, saying nothing. She reminded Natasha of a naughty child who was waiting for the schoolmaster to fetch the switch. What game is she playing? Natasha wondered. Perhaps the girl was trying to lull her into a false sense of security. She didn't look like much of a threat, but you didn't have to be large to be dangerous. She might have magic at her disposal, or something more mundane like poison or a hidden dagger. Natasha would need to take all precautions. What is your name? she asked. She kept her voice low and even, reasonable. Honor, the girl said after a moment. Natasha raised her eyebrows. Is it now? The girl just nodded. Her miserable expression said that she was fully aware of the irony. Under other circumstances, Natasha might have thought it was funny, but at the moment she just felt sorry for her. To carry such a name and be reduced to thievery to survive. She could imagine the humiliation. The girl might have been lying again, but Natasha didn't think she was. It was too perfectly absurd to be anything but the truth. Honor, Natasha said. I need to search you for weapons. The blush that mottled Honor's cheeks, throat, and chest grew a few shades redder. You've already seen me in my underwear, ma'am. True, Natasha conceded, but there are still places you could hide knife or wand. Honor's brilliant blue eyes flicked up, meeting her gaze, and in that moment her expression took Natasha by surprise, because beneath the fear, beneath the embarrassment, the look Honor gave her was one she recognized very, very well. A look of desperate, ardent, Lust. Honor's voice came out hesitantly, just above a whisper, but there was a husky, ragged edge to it that spoke to the intensity of the emotions underneath. 
then... Then I suppose you had better search me thoroughly, Miss Natasha. Her tongue darted quickly over her lips, moistening them. Very thoroughly. Natasha felt her eyes go wide. She couldn't look away. The sudden connection between them seemed a physical force, like electricity, like magnetism. In a flash, she understood this girl, why she had behaved as she did since her capture, why she had not tried harder to get away or to plead for her release. She might have come here hoping to steal jewelry, but this spoke to a deeper need, and one that was harder to fulfill. Natasha remembered something a sensualist had told her years ago when she was still figuring out her own desires. The submissive and the dominant are made for each other. They are drawn to one another, even if they do not know why. Honor needed something, perhaps something she could not even put into words, but she sensed that Natasha could provide it. You should not do this, a voice at the back of her mind insisted. She is a thief, an enemy. But there was another voice inside her, too, one that hungered for the same exchange this girl was craving. And she is not my enemy, she reasoned. If Honor made a living by stealing from the wealthy nobles of Metamore, what was that to a commoner like Natasha? Her duty to the Duke was merely to keep the girl from causing trouble at the ball, and there were ways to do it that both of them would find enjoyable. Natasha felt a slow grin spread over her face. Duh, she said. I can do that. She stepped forward to face Honor, their eyes still locked together. The girl was so small, but she was lovely, with big expressive eyes, a heart-shaped face, a pert nose, and full and eminently kissable lips. Natasha cupped Honor's delicate chin in one hand, her long fingers reaching under the earlobe and almost all the way to the back of her head. Honor's eyes fluttered shut, and Natasha lowered her mouth to meet hers. Honor clearly did not have much experience with kissing, but the earnest moans that came from her suggested that she was eager to learn. Natasha went slowly, gently, letting Honor get used to the sensation of another's mouth on hers, after a while, she slid her hand the rest of the way to the back of Honor's head, and slowly, deliberately, she closed her fist on a handful of her long, dark hair. Honor gasped, and her eyes flew open. Natasha drew back and held her there, gently but firmly, her neck arched slightly back, her lips parted in an O of surprise. Natasha held her gaze, unyielding but carefully watching her response. After a moment, Honor's eyelids fell half shut, the hint of a smile on her face. Natasha felt Honor relax against her, submitting to her touch, letting herself be controlled. Good girl, Natasha purred. A shiver ran visibly through Honor at the words, and she let out a shaky breath. Natasha leaned in close again, lavishing kisses on Honor's cheeks, neck, and throat. She kissed along her clavicles, over her breastbone, 
along the tops of her shoulders, all the while keeping her commanding grip on Honor's hair. The crimson mottling of Honor's pale skin spread even further until it resembled a fairly dramatic sunburn. Natasha could feel the fire growing in her own body, in her cheeks, in her chest, and between her legs. She wanted this girl, and she was going to have her. Straightening again, she grabbed Honor's shoulders and spun her around, eliciting a gasp. With quick, deliberate motions, she untied the laces at the back of the dress, then lifted it up and over her head. She laid it across the back of the chair, then quickly did the same with the girl's altered petticoat. The corset was a bit more work, but Honor did her part to help out, wriggling to help loosen the laces and then unfastening the studs with trembling fingers. She let out a sigh of relief as Natasha pulled the heavy fabric off her, one that transformed into a moan as Natasha's strong arms snaked around her in its place. Natasha ran her hands up the girl's slender ribcage, then took her little breasts in both hands, squeezing them through the thin fabric of her chemise. She leaned close to Honor's ear, and her voice dropped to a sensual growl. Do you like that, little thief? Honor's breath was shaky, and it took her a moment to find her voice. <sighs> Very much, she whispered. Good, Natasha said, and kissed the side of her neck. Come sit with me on bed. She sat down on the edge of the bed, still in her uniform, and guided Honor to sit on her lap, facing the same direction. She reached down and put her hand inside the hole the girl had cut out of the hem of her underskirt, feeling the smooth, bare skin of a shaved leg underneath. Slowly, she ran her hand up the shin, over the knee, and up the inside of the thigh, hiking up the skirt in the process. She felt around for the hem of Honor's drawers and let out a low chuckle when she realized the girl wasn't wearing any. Oh, you are naughty girl, Natasha purred and nuzzled the side of Honor's neck. Did you hope this would happen? Did you let me catch you so big strong guard would have way with you? With her other hand, she squeezed the girl's breast again, then pinched a stiffening nipple between her fingers. Honor moaned. Ah, uh, this, this is something I never dreamed could happen, she said, her voice shaky with desire. Well, not until I saw something like it in a vision, she amended. Ah, of course, Natasha said, grinning. She was beginning to suspect that Honor's visions had just been the overactive imagination of a girl who hadn't been fucked properly. Well, Natasha could see to that. She sent questing fingers higher, until they brushed lightly against fine, damp curls of pubic hair. Are you ready for more than visions? she asked. Oh, yes, Honor breathed. Duh? Natasha traced one fingertip gently up and down Honor's outer lips, already slick with moisture. I think 
Maybe you are not ready, she said teasingly. Maybe I only play with you a while. Honor bit down on her bottom lip, let out a strangled groan. Natasha slipped a finger inside her, just a little, and moved it slowly up and down the length of her sex, getting it wet. Then she moved back up and brushed lightly over Honor's clit. The girl's breath caught in her throat. Or, Natasha said, maybe I give you what you want. But you must ask very nicely. She nibbled lightly on Honor's earlobe to emphasize the point. Oh, Honor moaned. Please, oh, please, oh, please. Please what? Natasha asked. She moved her finger in slow, torturous circles, getting close to Honor's clit without quite touching it again. You know this word, da? I want to hear you say it. <laughs> Honor said, the sound becoming a rush of expelled air as Natasha grazed her clit again. Fuck! She said at last, the word exploding from her lips like it had been torn from her. Fuck me! Fuck me! Please, fuck me! Please, fuck me, ma'am, Natasha corrected. Please, fuck me, ma'am! Honor was almost screaming now. Natasha chuckled into her ear again. Good girl, she murmured. Then she went to work with all the skill the sensualists had taught her, and drove honor to the heights of ecstasy. And that's the end of Chapter 8. Come back next time, when Natasha decides what to do with her little party crasher, and honor makes a fateful choice. The House of Bellevue will be released at a rate of one chapter per week for 51 weeks. If you're enjoying this story and want to listen to it faster, all three books are available now on Amazon and Audible. To learn more about these characters and their world, visit www.authorlcwilliams.com. Now it's time to check in on my writing endeavors. Here's your weekly writing report. This update covers the week of April 16th through April 22nd. I wrote 2,498 words this week, over the course of 3.75 hours, for an average writing speed of 666 words per hour. I wrote on three out of seven days this week. This week I did a little more work on Out of the Shadows, including a scene between Honor and Alex that I feel pretty good about. The manuscript is now about 15,000 words. That's not a lot of progress, but it's way better than nothing. Most of my writing time this week was spent working on scripts for the show. I also put together the audiobook for my Artax prequel story, Fire in the Sky. I released it on this podcast five years ago, but this is the first time I put it up for sale anywhere. It should be available on Audible by sometime in June at the latest. Sales of my ebooks and audiobooks were down again this week, after hitting a peak on April 12th. I've reduced my spending limits on the advertising campaign again. I realize that I'm not going to get paid for my March sales until June, 
so I need to dial things back a ways to keep my credit card balance from getting out of control in the meantime. I'm very glad that I'm not trying to make a living from this, and I feel sorry for all new authors who are. The one positive sign is that Kindle page reads continue to stay relatively high, and people are starting to read the Metamore City books that way, as well as the Honor books. If my Metamore readership takes off in Kindle Universe, that could definitely help my bottom line, because those are big books that are worth a lot of page reads if people stay with them. If you'd like to help me get these stories into more hands, one of the best things you can do is leave a review on Amazon, Audible, or Goodreads. These are the places people go to find new stuff to read, so sharing a few lines about why you liked a book can make a big difference. The House of Bellevue books could especially use some love on this front, so if you've read the books and enjoyed them, please take a few minutes and tell people why. You'll have my undying gratitude, and you'll help others find stories that they'll enjoy, too. If you'd like to share your thoughts about the show, send your feedback in text or audio to metamorecityfeedback at gmail.com. To leave a voicemail, dial area code 641-715-3900, then enter extension 255-082, followed by the pound sign. My Facebook is facebook.com slash author Chris Lester. The fan group is fans of Metamore City on Facebook. And our Discord server is Metamore City. I'm there pretty often, so come say hi. If you like this show, please consider leaving a review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Podchaser.com. It really helps people find the show. That's all for this week. I'll be back next time with more fresh new fiction. Until then, keep it on the bright side. This is Chris Lester, signing out. The contents of this podcast are copyright 2022 by Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. The show is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives License. So don't change it, don't sell it, but feel free to share it all you like. For more information about this license, please visit creativecommons.org.